On the other side, taking over the Don Stensland Show for the day, uh, two hours of Anthony and Dan. And uh, Anthony, man, how you doing? Happy Thanksgiving, brother. I'm great, my man. Happy to be uh, sitting here with you on Black Friday. It was definitely a good holiday, but happy to be behind the mic. Today. Pretty exhilarating sitting here uh, yeah, in Don's sure. seat. It takes two of us to fill the great Don Stensland <laughs> shoes. Uh, but thank you so much uh, to Don for allowing us this opportunity. And Anthony, uh, Yesterday, I, I had a good Thanksgiving, but I started the day, man, with uh, that Thanksgiving Day parade. And I got to tell you, I am so sick of the uh, the lip syncing that we see and all. Yep. So, so let me ask you first, how was your Thanksgiving, brother? It was great. I got to see uh, both sides of my family, uh, a bunch of friends, and, you know, it was catching up. And I'm happy I got to see both families, at least, because I'll probably be up in Connecticut for Christmas. So, so. how does that work for you? Because you got uh, separated parents, right? I got separated parents, yep, too. Yep. So I try to, at least now, because I have a girlfriend, I really try to do both if I can, just because they live close enough. So first half of the day, I was at my aunt's with my mom and her whole family and my nana. And then later in the day, I went down to my dad's. So Any football watching on your own? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of didn't focus on it. I was I was probably more focused on uh, Amon Ra's uh, receiving <laughs> yards for my fantasy team. But uh, the Cowboys game, after they started running away, I didn't even want to watch it anymore. And the 49ers game was pretty boring, too. So It, it was. They were yeah. all blowouts. Yeah. What, what I learned yesterday, though, is that the Eagles do have a threat. Uh, two threats, that being the Cowboys and the 49ers. Both those teams look really good. Uh, but if you're unaware of what's happening right now, Other Side is a podcast that Anthony and I do once a week, and it brings you on the other side of the glass. Anthony Dorenz is the producer of The Morning Show, uh, Nick Kale, uh, Don Stensland. I uh, do Dom Giordano's show. And uh, every week we kind of just talk about what we want to talk about. But uh, today we'll talk some politics coming up. At uh, 12.30 we'll be joined – I'm sorry, 10.30. I'm not on the Dom show today. I'm on the Dawn show. 10.30 today we have Anne-Marie Muldoon, a good friend of mine, a chiropractor of mine. But she's also involved with Toys for Tots here in Philadelphia. She'll take us behind the scenes. And then at 11 o'clock, Anthony, you are, you're going to have somebody coming on. Who's that? Yeah, Dr. Andrew Draper of the Offscript Film Review will be joining us. And uh, obviously, plenty of publications have been reporting on the box office history in all the wrong ways, with the 33rd installment of the Marvel franchise brought in a measly $47 million domestically. Uh, and that's the worst opening ever for MCU. We've talked about that before. He'll break down the state of cinema state of marvel are things too political are they just regurgitating things we've seen before we'll get into all that at 11 uh and a great he's really i listen to his podcast and he has a great podcast and the guy goes in depth gives great movie reviews and it's not just your standard fare of uh, uh you know political stuff he goes really in depth talking about the cinematography the acting that's involved in these films and he, he says uh, just a little preview the marvels it, the, the film itself isn't that bad uh but there is a lot of woke involved in it, so we'll get into that. But, Anthony, I want to take you back to yesterday. Uh, we had the Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's how I woke up. I, I woke up kind of late. It was nice. Got to sleep in for the first time after moving yep. in a while. Uh, and, and the first thing I saw was John Batiste. Who's, who is John <laughs> Batiste? I don't even know who he is. I, I'm sorry I'm not that plugged in. I guess in. pop star. I, I've heard him. I don't listen to him all that often, but I, I know he's respected and known in the music industry. Uh, but as a producer, when I watched the parade yesterday, uh, the, the one critique I have, and it's for all these live performances, and it really started with, I, I guess, Mariah Carey uh, on that New Year's mm -hmm. Eve because she screwed up so bad, but everything is now just lip sunk. It's it's pre-recorded, and John Batiste has such bad auto-tune, the hoo kind of noise, <laughs> yeah. that he was, it, you, you could see that he was just, uh, his dancing and his auto-tune was off, that it, it's so infuriating, and 
I, I then watched Dolly Parton, who I think was actually singing it. Do you think she was singing it? I think she was singing, yes. And she was fantastic. And I just wonder, why are we going down that path where everything is just auto-tuned? And it infuriates you too, right? Well, I, here's the thing. If it's going to be auto-tuned, I want to hear you auto-tuned live. Like the way that we're talking into a microphone right now, if it's going to have auto-tune, I want it to be live in that moment, you using your voice while using that effect. The same way that if a guitar player uses a pedal, it sounds differently, but it's still live. It's still them performing. So the fact that these people think they could get away with just playing their voice track and call that a concert or a performance or, you know, a parade in this sense, I think that's ridiculous. And this is something that hip-hop has really dealt with. In the past five to ten years, hip-hop shows have gone from people just rapping over the beat to now it turns into they just play the voice track. When it's like, what are you doing? Why do people even go to see this concert then? So, I mean, I respect people like J. Cole, Kendrick. They don't do that. But it's, I think, the state of music. If you're going to just play a voice track and perform, that's not, I mean, that's why we call that They at least used to do it during the rehearsal. They would record it during rehearsal and then play it back, and that's what they would lip sync to. And now it's just the track completely auto-tuned. And I got to say, the only time I was excited during the entire parade is when Chicago was there. I I, I think they were there with Wonder Bread was the sponsor. And and Maisie and I were big Chicago fans, and they play You're the Inspiration, and we're singing along. And then it goes back to all this crap music with (laughs) auto-tune. Like a Romeo and Juliet woke, uh, what happens if Juliet, you know, instead diss Romeo. I I was infuriated about, you ever hear (laughs) Anne Juliet, the new play, new Broadway play? I don't think so. All right, there's a new Broadway play called Anne Juliet, and what it is is it's a story of Romeo and Juliet, but if uh, Juliet broke the bonds of patriarchy and instead (laughs) uh, didn't kill herself with Romeo... But I'm like, isn't Romeo and Juliet in itself a feminist story where you have uh, Juliet who has an overbearing family uh, kind of breaking away from, you know, what her family wants for her and pursuing the love of Romeo and the other family? Well, I'm getting into Shakespeare and I, on the Dom <laughs> show. We all know that I hate Shakespeare. Uh, but but all this all this parade talk brings me to uh, the political side of things, and that's the pro-Palestinian protesters who glued their hands is that right yeah so so what happened there explain can you explain to me because you, you had this whole three-hour show where you guys were talking about it just yeah before. yeah so a lot of the protesters well there were some in the crowds that you could see either waving flags or holding up signs saying you know end the occupation thing like things we've heard over and over again uh but then there was a group i think about 12 people put themselves right on the parade route glued their hands to the ground um, and then they had these, like, white gowns on, almost like you'd wear in, like, a, a hospital, kind of. And they had that on over their clothes, and people poured fake blood on them. And they were they were chanting for peace for Palestine and peace for the planet. And when they were getting their hands ripped off the pavement, they were crying and screaming as loud as possible. And, you know, the police are having to deal with that. But here's my thing. I'm totally fine with anyone protesting, and I think that's a great part about our country. But if you're going to disrupt things, if you're going to get in the way and and you're going to essentially ruin things for other people in the name of protesting, I don't think that's protesting. I think that's disrupting. I, I don't care if people support Palestine. I might disagree with you, but that's fine. Hey, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you don't care if people support Palestine. And I, I'm with you. You get freedom of speech. Well, I, that's, I, I'm a free speech absolutist. So I, I'm but not are you though, I like when you hear kids, uh, this is where I get, want to get into a little bit over at UPenn. And I was, I went to a protest last week or was it the week before? You probably know better. Yeah, than I think I that do. was two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've lost track of my own time. Uh, they, they were chanting the, the from the river to the sea. Yeah. Palestine will be free. And, and I understand we live in a country where it's freedom of speech, but I think these idiots who are out here protesting have absolutely no idea what that means when you read between the lines. I agree with you. 
So, I, I don't think they know what they're saying either. It, it pretty much they say stop genocide, stop occupation. But you know what? Let's uh, start genocide with this other country because they don't even deserve to exist. Who? Uh, Israel, in that sense. Like they say, oh, 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 wait, yeah. I, I thought you were saying that. It's, it's your own words. No, 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 no. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what they're saying. They're alluding to lines. doing the same thing to the other side. That they claim they hate. All right, so you're a little bit younger than me. Uh, you're, you're kind of f- not fresh out of college, but I feel like you can relate to those in college right now. Yeah, for sure. What the hell is going through these kids' minds? Why Why are they out there supporting pro-Palestine? It, like, like I, I understand. I'm sorry to step on you here, but it's the whole idea of uh, we're the victims, with colonizers, all that. But here you have a... a, a a group of people who their entire existence has been uh, being the lesser, being treated like crap. So, so how is there a group that's now being completely anti-Semitic against Jewish people? Uh, what, what's going through these kids' minds? I, I don't think, like I was saying earlier, most of these people, first of all, are the vocal minority, in my opinion. Like, they they claim to have everyone's opinion, but I think most students go about their day. I actually have been around Westchester, even including this semester. And when people protest, I think most kids just keep going about their day. It isn't just this, the entire campus rallies behind Palestine and Hamas. And I, and I understand it is happening in way bigger numbers and Jewish students are threatened at campuses nationwide. And I could understand how they feel threatened by this, uh, especially with some of the sayings we were just alluding to. Uh, but at the same time, I think at least I was technically done college in 2020, I guess, right around when I left here. And ever since then, it seems like the messaging has gotten a little more extreme. But I think most kids kind of go about their day. There's this one protester I saw at multiple schools of mine because I went to school throughout Pennsylvania. So I saw him at Bucks County Community. I saw him at IUP. And I also saw him at Westchester. And he's essentially a misogynist, for less lack of a better word. He shows up there with his wife and kids, like holds up signs saying, uh, women belong in the kitchen. They don't deserve the right to vote. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, so that kind yeah. of thing. And most, you know, there were your students that are going to get involved. And sometimes they get too involved and the police have to apprehend them. But I went to public universities. So people like that group are allowed to have those opinions and allowed to say whatever they want to say. And our president at all of my universities said that and said how important that is. And I just think we're getting to a point where maybe we're moving away from that. But in my opinion, most students just went about their day and they're not going to sit there and protest over everything. They're looking for a job. They're looking to have fun. They, you know, they're looking forward to the football game this weekend. I just think as much as this is a concern and there are little groups that are making this worse and worse, I think most students do just want to go about their day and not get Oh, what do you care about, Hamas do, or do, Israel? Do you think, though, like a lot of what we talk about on the Dom Giordano program is mm-hmm. the institution itself, universities, it's almost like they're brainwashing these kids. Do you vibe with that at all? Do you agree with that? I agree to an extent. It depends on the professor, but there, I've encountered professors but, like, that have you taken sure. So, so I bring, I'll bring you behind the scenes of me. Uh, when I was in school, uh, my senior fifth year, mm-hmm. uh, I was like Van Wildering it. <laughs> um, my, my fifth year, I, I took an elective that I thought would just be a blow-off class. It was mm-hmm. called uh, The History of the Arab Spring. And it was taught by yep. a brother of the, a, a, a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. And it was telling it from the perspective of, you know, Muslims. And, and, and it was interesting, but it was very propaganda. And, and I got to say, I, that was uh, 2011, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and I, if that was the start of what became I, I don't know for sure if that's what it looks like now but i could see how these kids are drilled into their brain educationally that this is the way they have to the, the way they have to think i don't think there's as many outspoken uh conservative professors but from the yeah. sense of becoming political uh, a lot of 
professors, teachers, regardless, they do think they can try to instill that political perspective into their students. And I, you know, that's something we used to debate about. That's why there were things like debate class. And it's almost seeming like they are less and they're less prone to having that right wing ideology or opinion thrown out there in the classroom. And I think that lends itself to making this situation worse and worse as well. Yeah, eight five five eight three nine twelve ten to get in. We'd love to hear from you. And the question I want to ask the listeners here is, uh, uh, if you have a family member who's in university or a younger person and they were at the Thanksgiving dinner table, how'd you handle that? Uh, how do you handle conversations with them? Uh, and with the pro-Palestine, did that come up over the Thanksgiving dinner table? And just generally, uh, when you talk with these younger people who are, um, you know, maybe changed in university, how, how do you break through and have conversations? So 855-839-1210. I'm Dan Borowski, Anthony Dorenzo from the other side, back after the break. Welcome back into the Don Stensland Show. Dan Borowski sitting in with Anthony Dorenzo, the other side podcast, taking over the live airwaves on Black Friday. Thanks again to Don Stensland for allowing this to happen. And Anthony, before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, colleges and uh, the pro-Palestine stuff we're seeing out there now and uh this is the future of our nation that we see out there man this is uh those that might be our future leaders you pen a a a, a, uh, ivy league school with lawyers and politicians coming out of there and and bernie marcus the the founder of home depot co-founder of home depot said earlier this month that he's never been more frightened for the country and his life he's a 94 year old guy who's lived through a lot he says if you look at what's going on around you, you know that we're falling apart, our economy is falling apart. I get up every morning, I swear to God, and I say, what the hell is Biden going to do to kill our country? He never fails to dis- disappoint me. Something always <laughs> happens every day that makes the country weaker, not stronger. He called on those in attendance of this uh, conference to do everything possible to save the free market from socialism because under such a system, small businesses will not survive. He says, get off your asses and work hard. Don't sit back, invest yourself. Go out and work and commit yourself to saving this democracy. He goes on from there, Anthony, but your opinion, are we doomed as a nation? Uh, if we don't step up, one as you know, as he's implying there at the end, saying work hard, invest in yourself, and commit yourself to saving this. If we don't do that, if we don't work hard, if we are going to point the finger, finger to some savant or you know politician that's going to be the end-all, be-all of fixing everything, then yeah, we are going nowhere. But in my opinion, this is something I love how he ends that because I always try to tell people, if you want change, we have to be the change. This country, we are the leaders, not the politicians. If we don't like them, they go. So I I just this whole idea of having someone come in there and they'll just fix everything. That's just a pipe dream. So we need people to step up. We need to especially in a community like ours. We need to come together and not call in a city like Philly, like the Working Families Party. Oh, there's MAGA Republicans on your block. So don't talk to them. It's this. everyone needs to step up and, and realize we need to look in the mirror. And if we want change, we have to be the change. No, there's not going to be just some savior that walks in here and fixes everything. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know, though. Like, like I look at I, I don't want to call Donald Trump a savior in any way. But I, I do think if he were to step into office, uh, it would be almost instantly better than what we see with Biden. I'm not saying he isn't better, but I think he also continues to contribute to the toxic system that we have which is so two-sided and oh this side bad and we don't necessarily talk about the american people and i i feel like we we always fail our own people because we're so caught up in these big controversies with these giant crimes that one side or the other did when in reality we should be talking about policy and how to help us instead of you know these giant families with tons of money that we can't really relate to speaking of donald trump on truth social 
Happy Thanksgiving to all, including the racist and incompetent <laughs> Attorney General of the New York State, Letitia, quote, Peekaboo James, who has let murder and violent crime flourish and businesses flee. The radical left Trump-hating judge, a, quote, psycho, Arthur Engeron, who criminally defrauded the state of New York. He goes on from there, but it's a very uh, uh, pointed uh, tweet, or I guess truth. Is that how, is that how you word it? But you're right. It's 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 the divisiveness. But I I, I look to see like the the left and the the things that these college kids are doing. And you say you got to get out there and make change. I feel like these kids have a false placed uh, uh, sense of I can make change, and that's why they're out there with the pro Palestine crap and all the stuff we see from college kids today. I just think they're emotional. Uh, it's and that's something we need to figure out in politics in general because no matter what topic it is, if we get emotional voter bases. They get motivated, but then we have leaders who don't really change anything. And I think these kids, with your first taste of politics, I'll be honest, I was, I leaned left when I got hired here. I was, you know, Mr. Democrat out of college. And I think the more and more I moved forward, the more I realized, first of all, I don't want to put a label on myself. I want to talk about things issue by issue. And second of all, things like what the progressives sell or what uh, these pro Hamas groups sell, they're just not logical and they're wrong. You know, if you have a Jewish friend, talk about this with them. Ask them. Try to understand their side of it. Because you shouldn't... At the end of the day, if innocent people are dying, we need to find a way to support those innocent people, no matter what their race, creed, color, religion is. And this solving hate with hate thing is is just never going to get us anywhere good. And I hope these I hope these young people realize that. Because if we're just going to scream and shout and, and act the way they say Trump did, it's the same thing. If you're going to just be that negative and ignorant, it's just a bad look. Uh, I want to talk about AI, too, because the reason why I bring up the future, the na- our nation's future, Sam Altman, uh, he was the CEO of OpenAI. He got exiled from the board. The board exiled him for a while. Then the employees of OpenAI uh, kind of uh, protested and brought him back. And that might be over listeners' heads to a degree. But uh, why this matters is there are reports from Reuters. So this is like a pretty quality news source. Uh, that Sam Altman's ousting was because he hid from the board that he unlocked general AI, a self-learning AI, one that could potentially take over the world one day. So conspiracy theory circles have been going wild. But I, I just got to ask, before we had to break, a great guest coming up after the break, how concerned are you about AI and, and that uh, for our nation's future? Uh, it's concerning. I think it's something we need to look over. But at the same time, do I trust government to regulate it? Pff, probably not. So it, it's a scary place we're in in that sense. But people thought the same thing when computers came around and the whole Y2K thing. And I do think AI is a threat and we need to monitor it. But at the same time, I also think it's a tool and it will also be used to help things and not only turn us into this uh, dystopian iRobot kind of thing that everyone wants to allude to. Do you think we're going to have a world one day where we're essentially the subservient race to an AI master race? Uh, I guess we got to call Will Smith if that happens. Uh, but <laughs> I don't. I don't. I I don't. But I, is it possible? Yes. It's very much possible. I guess that ter- depends on if we come down on Silicon Valley at all. Yeah. Because we're, when you listen to those that are plugged in with the AI... We're essentially just ants that are working to mm-hmm. build and uh, create a new race. It's constantly learning. They could, uh, you know, uh, depending on how many shows we've had, they could have our voice and have it with the right inflection and the right m- amount of pause time. And it is scary. 
Sorry for the odd technological detour here on the other side, but that's kind of what you get with Anthony and me, Dan Borowski, the other voice you hear, Anthony Dorenzo, Don Stenson's producer, and the Nick Kale company, company of Nick Kale and company. <laughs> yes, I'm the company portion of that, yes. I'm uh, Dan Borowski, Dom Giordano's producer, and coming up next, we have uh, my chiropractor, Anne-Marie Muldoon. Uh, she joins us on the Dom Show because she is a, a, quite the force in Northeast uh, Philadelphia, uh, Mayfair area. She seems to know everybody, but she's also highly plugged in with the Toys for Tots. And this being the holiday season, I want to kind of get everyone in the mood, maybe for some giving, Giving Tuesday coming up on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And and take us behind the scenes of what happens in Philadelphia with our Toys for Tots. Yeah, I love that. I've always, I I was a Boy Scout when I was younger, so we've always been around it, and it's great to uh, hear from them. You know, Anne Marie's the kind of person that will uh, uh, roll, and John's kind enough to call in. I don't want to keep him waiting too long, so uh, let's take John real quick before we head to break. John, how you doing, sir? Good. How are you? It is a glorious, beautiful day down the shore. Yeah, how is it down there? Is it warm? Is it cool? Sunny? It's in the 50s. It's it's, uh, partly sunny, but there's no breeze, so the beach is definitely walkable. So you living so, down in so Wildwood, like you look day. forward to these kind of times of the year. It's November, it's the shoulder season, it's uh, nice and chill. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you get the restaurants all to Absolutely. yourself. You can get a beach pass for my car from the from the uh, October 1st to April 15th, so I can drive out on the beach, pull up a chair, glass of wine. You know. Wait, hold on. In Wildwood, they allow people driving on the beach? In the winter, yes. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. Wow. I never knew that. So, Brigantine, watch out. But you say, John, that you have a granddaughter, yeah, right. and you were talking yesterday at Thanksgiving about this issue. What you talk about? Yeah, because I, I asked her about it, and she said that she has friends on both sides, and she keeps her mouth shut. She really can't say anything to either one of them without offending them. That's the way she feels. You know, and she's, she's saddened about it because it's dividing a lot of her friends on stuff that they never really, that doesn't really concern them or is in their realm or in their world, but, you know, their, their friends are, so it's, it's, it's just having a tough time, you know, navigating that, you know, between the friends. Yeah, and so, I think, I think this know, is what... I was just going to say, I think this is what young people deal with. They they think they're going to be ousted by their friends over an opinion when, I don't know, I grew up in a time where my friends always disagreed with me. So if we just, we talked about it. I, mean, I, I don't even know if it's just uh, young people, though, because here at the office, I had a conversation with somebody and I had to couch. I was like, uh, you know, talking to Israel, Hamas, all that. And it's weird. Like, you wouldn't think you have to couch a conversation about yeah. that. But, yeah, it's so it's such a touchy subject. And I'm with you, John. It's, it's tough to kind of navigate around it. Uh, how did you end up navigating? Did you did you uh, talk deeply about the topic with your granddaughter? Or did you just kind of, you know, hit it real quick and then move on? No, we 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 hit it kind of quick and moved on a little bit because this is the first year that she's this is the first time she's going to be voting for for president this this time around next year. So we're you know she we talked about I, she knows I I I, I follow I listen to the radio I follow politics and stuff and she's kind of plays off, but she knows that how I feel about certain things, but she doesn't worry about my she wants to tell me something that i'm going to disagree with she has no problem telling me that we have a conversation about it and give our opinions my biggest concern with her and i always tell this is she's a nikki haley fan and i said that's fine i'm glad you're looking that way but you know like look up who she is not just who she is on the on the stump but where she came from she didn't know that she was the mm-hmm. ambassador to the u.n she doesn't know her stances on certain politics and all i try to do is say you need to go look. Don't just listen to me. Go look 
Don't look these people up. And I think that's why what these young people do. They have they go by the first thing they hear, yep. first thing that's told to them, and they run with it. And they believe it wholeheartedly. So That's you know, crazy you say that, John. I mean, that's, that's the first time I've heard a Nikki Haley supporter. But, John, we got your role because we got a great guest coming up right after the break. I don't know if I've heard anyone else come out and say, yeah, I, I, I prefer Nikki Haley over everyone else. I don't know if I've heard one woman our age say, I love Nikki Haley. Yeah, yeah. All right, but that's a. Uh, we'll be right back. Other side with Dan and Dorenzo filling in for Don Stenslin and Marie Muldoon, a great friend of mine, coming up right after the break. For some reason, I'm enjoying this song today. I like this song. I was yeah. listening during the break, and I, I hate Bruce Springsteen, but. Uh, I play it for a good reason, because the person on the line, I think she's been to Bruce Springsteen like 40-plus times or something like that. <laughs> she went down to Florida, all this stuff. But uh, uh, over the t- so let me take you behind the scenes. On the Dom Giordano program, uh, one thing that I, I, Dom's kind of spread to me is he, he, he meets members of the community who happen to know a lot of people and becomes great friends with them. And over time, I think one of my best friends that I've made through the Dom Giordano program, just by, uh, you know... Uh, talking with her and, and the, the, the the relationship we have it, it goes to chiropractor she, she fixed my back she fixed my back anthony i could use that i know yeah, i but, might need to call her uh but she is also a, a, a liaison a, a person that's involved with the philadelphia's toys for tots and that's a uh, amory muldoon amory uh taking people back to when we first met i think it was around uh, sean toomey the horrible 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 situation that we saw of uh uh, he was a teenager that was unloading uh, water from his father's car and was shot. Uh, and, and John is, still comes on the Dom Giordano program. But uh, from there, Amory, a great friendship blossomed. And I'm so glad to have you as a friend. And uh, welcome into uh, the other side, the Dawn Stensland Show with uh, Dan and Anthony sitting in. How are you doing, a- Amory? I'm good, Dan. Thank you. And happy Thanksgiving to you and Anthony and to Maisie. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, thank you. We, yes, we met through the unfortunate... Uh, so it's the situation with Sean Toomey, um, as we all know, the two people for his uh, that for his murder did not go to trial yet. So we saw that going on, and, and John's taking the holidays really hard. So if everybody can just keep him in their prayers that he gets through this horrible time. Yeah. yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, really, prayers out to John, uh, especially. It's so sad and, and it's not only john it's the entire neighborhood of mayfair has genuinely changed over time uh, take us into that real quick what you've seen uh, you've had a business there you're involved with the civic association up there what have you seen in mayfair change uh, over the past couple of years um you know dan it, it's been ebbs and flows right now we're, we're in a goody a pretty good spot the mayfair parade was fabulous last week there were people out on the street again god gave us a beautiful day um, the parade was crowded. I went down with the Marine Corps detachment. The, um, the Marines, the young guys couldn't go this year. They had their ball the night before, so they were all out hungover in Valley Forge, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, and we had a great showing and a lot of support. And this uh, weekend coming up on December 3rd, we have the Mayfair tree lighting. I'll be collecting toys there. We haven't gone into our toys for tots yet, but I will be collecting toys there with the Marines. We'll have some sort of marine vehicle there um, for display. And there'll be bands and food trucks and Christmas carols. And, you know, the neighborhood's really trying. I think since businesses are back open, the shutdown really increased the crime in the area. But I think since the businesses are back open and, and you're seeing people out again, I mean, obviously there's still crime. There's crime in Philadelphia everywhere. But I, I had a really good feeling the past week. I went down to Chicken and Peach, which is out my back door, 
and there were familiar faces in there again. And I don't know. I just I have a positive feeling for this right now. Yeah, one of the things I love about Mayfair is uh, it, it used to be called the Mayberry of Philadelphia, and it's because it's a very small town environment. And you held a a, a celebration of uh, some local teams that Dom spoke at, and the camaraderie of the events in Mayfair are indeed fantastic. So December third again, uh, the Mayfair tree lighting, and you will be collecting toys for Toys for Tots. Uh, so. Anne-Marie, real quick, uh, the, the launch was, I believe, last week with the FOP, but uh, for our listeners, if they want to bring toys for kids in Philadelphia, h- how do they get involved and how do they donate? Okay, so if you go onto the website, um, you can go onto the Philadelphia Toys for Tots website. It'll direct you right there through Google, and you, there's volunteers. If we need, We really need warehouse volunteers to pack these toys and get them out to the nonprofit organizations and the families that are in search of toys. Um, we need volunteers to help pick up boxes, which right now we're, we're doing a pretty good job. We broke it down the zip codes and we're, we're assigning one or two volunteers per zip code. So all over your local stores, there are drop boxes. We have drop boxes in every Planet Fitness. We have drop boxes in, in Philadelphia, every NovaCare in Philadelphia. Father Judge is collecting for teenage boys. We figure we'll give them the assignment of teenage boys because it's the hardest age bracket to sell toys for. Um, Every single police and fire station is collecting toys for a safe drop-off. You can get your toys to any fire station or police station before December 8th, and they are going to do their own collection in-house and bring the toys up to the warehouse for us. So you said that teenage boys are the hardest to collect for. When when I bring toys for Toys for Tots, I never know whether or not I'm bringing something that the kids are actually going to want. What is it that kids uh, most want, in your opinion? Are there specific uh, types of toys or anything? Um, I don't know if there's a hot ticket toy this year. Teenage boys, we usually do the basketballs, the footballs, the headphones, anything wireless they, they tend to like. It, it's a hard age bracket. I have a teenage boy. He hasn't given me a list yet. Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> uh, we, we've also looked for dolls of dark complexion. Um, we do need a lot of different dolls with different complexions. So, you know, when we were little, every doll was blonde hair and blue eyes, and, and that's not every little girl. So you want a doll that looks like you. So we need a, a bunch of different dolls. The little computer game, handhelds, um, girls of the uh, 7 to, like, 12 bracket, they like the activity sets the bead makers, the clay makers, the paint, that kind of stuff. I, you know, you just bounce it off your own kids, and, and you can see what the kids need or what they want. Uh, so you just want to make a kid happy on Christmas morning. I've always been curious. When I bring you a toy and I, I, I put it into one of these boxes, what are the processes? Is it a volunteer that comes pick up the box, brings it to a warehouse, and how does it get distributed? So, yes, right now, You'll see the boxes out, and you'll drop a toy in. We have volunteers right now sweeping some of the boxes throughout the city, or they will be collected by the week of about December 7th or December 8th. They go back to a warehouse, and this is where we really need volunteers. If you have a football team, a a, a boss who will let a few employees go, we need um, somebody to sit and count the toys. Last year, we counted Somewhere between, I'm getting my numbers mixed up, 70,000 to 100,000 toys. And that they all have to get counted and registered. And then they go into big sorting bins that say girls ages 0 to 2, girls ages, you know, 2 to 4, and they go in sorting bins. And then Jen, our warehouse manager, prints out an order, 
and she walk, a volunteer walks around and picks, you know, about five toys, four or five toys for that child. So, and with that, Dan, right now, if you have a nonprofit organization and you are in need of toys, the cutoff date on the website is November 30th. If you are an individual family who is having hard times and you need toys, please go on and register. The cutoff date will be December 17th, as long as we still have toys. So on November 30th for organizations, December 17th for private families. And one more time, that website that they can go to, Amory. Um, it, it, it's it's Philadelphia Toys for Tots. If they just type that in, it takes you directly to the website. I don't. Um, I ran upstairs from my office, and I'm in my office up here, and I don't have it written down in front of me. But there's a lot of slashes and dashes. So are you telling me there are patients laying on tables right now, waiting for you to come back down after doing this? And uh... there's. I have a waiting room filled with people, and somebody's actually on therapy right now downstairs. Patty's Patty's running the show down there. So I'm upstairs. Well, I'll get you out of here pretty quickly, but we got one more question. Anthony, what you got? Yeah, when it comes to this, obviously we live in Philadelphia, so we're focused on the Philly part of it. But if you're in Jersey or Bucks Co., Montgomery County, um, is their process the same way? Are, are they going to be able to also help? Uh, is, how does that does – it, is it work differently than it okay. does here in so Philly? So we do work in conjunction with them. A lot of our Marines this year are at Joint Base Air Force uh, – you know, um, McGuire Air Force Base. So – if they're short of toys, we do bring some over. The man from Montgomery County is working with us in Delaware County because some of them don't have campaigns right now, but they still do have a website, and I believe we sell some of their toys also. What? But each campaign, if you go on, we do a new thing this year. There is a QR code to donate money through the website. You can do it through a QR code. We have them on some of the boxes. We weren't able to get them on all of the boxes this year, but it's not a Venmo. Um, it's, you need your credit card to go on, but there is a QR code. Dan, and I'll send you the QR code when I get a chance. Yeah, please do. I'll post that to Twitter, at Producer Big Dan is where you'll see that. And uh, before I let you go, Anne-Marie, just to clarify to Anthony how many times you've been to see Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> well... August should have been 49 and 50, but, you know, he's got a little problem going on right now, and, <laughs> and we're going to go back next August. But, um, yes, I have seen him 48 times. I, I don't mean and, to... Anthony, you can tell Dawn, she's friends with my friend Joanne, who sings up at Parks with, on Joe Cochran's oh, show. Oh, okay. We we booked her Italy trip. We're going. Oh, let's go. I'll tell her. I'll tell. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, That'd so that's a little awesome. plug there for yeah. uh, Dawn's Italy trip. If you go, you also get the uh, chance of hanging with uh, Anne Marie. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, they don't ask her for uh, some spine help. <laughs> on the trip. I'm not working that week. <laughs> Anne Marie, eating. Yes, yes. Thank you so much again, Philadelphia Toys for Tots. Please donate. And uh, December third, Mayfair tree lighting. Uh, there's no admission to that. It's just you show up and you get to enjoy the festivities. Correct? Yes, it's food trucks, bands. Um, like I said, I'll be there with the Marines. They light the tree right around dusk, and um, it's just a fun time. You meet friends. There's all kinds of uh, vendors selling stuff for Christmas. It's a nice time. Well, thank you, Anne Marie. I'll see you up there, and uh, we'll talk soon because I got to get another adjustment. But uh, until then, all right. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. And congratulations on your new home. Hey, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Got to invite her over for some, uh, you know, grub sometime. Yeah, big homeowner guy. Yeah, yeah. Out in, uh, so we, we finally moved out of Philadelphia, uh, and uh, Maisie texted me the other night. There was a double shooting uh, two blocks down from my house in Port Richmond. 
So it seems like we might have got out <sighs> just at the right time. And, and, and about two weeks before that, there was a shooting at a... Uh, where is it? Uh, salmon and uh, like three blocks down. Yeah, but crime's down. According to Philly Mag, why would we report on crime? Oh, yeah. yeah let's crime's get, down. Let's get into that after the break. You're listening to The Other Side with uh, Dan Borowski, Anthony Dorenzo, filling in for Don Stenslin. So gracious to Don for allowing this to happen. We will be right back after the break. 855-839-1210 to get in. Anthony Dorenzo, Dan Borowski, sitting in for Don Stenslin, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. And uh, shortly we're going to get into an interview with Dr. Andrew Draper, co-host of the Offscript Film Review. That's coming up next here. Uh, but just a little bit of reaction. That was great talking to Anne-Marie. I, lo- I loved that. I love Toy for Tots in general. I remember when I was a kid, the fire truck coming around my development, and I, I got like a PS2 Need for Speed game, and I like immediately ran out there, grabbed it from Santa, went inside, put it in my PlayStation. Uh, so... You know, I, just those memories, and it's why people love the holidays. So I loved uh, getting that perspective and, and finding ways to help because it's always the best part of the Back holiday. when I was in Atlantic City, I worked with a guy by the name of the singing lifeguard, Jim Crane. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite the personality. Great, great guy. Uh, very boisterous. But every year he'd held the uh, Toys for Tots Atlantic City uh, benefit show. And he'd get a theater over in resorts and mm-hmm. uh, sing Sinatra covers and such. <laughs> it was just such an awesome, awesome event. But uh, Toys for Tots always close to my heart. Uh, one thing also close to my heart is the city of Philadelphia. And it's uh, the perils that it's going through is really tough to see. It, it pained me to have to move out to, uh, I'm now in Deptford, uh, out in Jersey. Uh, moved away from Port Richmond because uh, initially, you know, with Kenny in office and Krasner, I saw the city going to crap. Uh, but I got to tell you, last week I was at a work function with Maisie, uh, with a couple of her coworkers, and... and uh, they were talking about uh, their place in Rittenhouse Square, and they weren't able to sell it. And, and I almost thought there might be a silver lining in that, because it might be hard to sell property in Philadelphia under Kenny and Krasner, which it's not in the Northeast, but in Center City, apparently it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but under Sherelle Parker, I do think property values would go up, and I think there are uh, bright skies on the horizon for Philadelphia. A new uh, police commissioner, Kevin Bethel, announced by Sherelle Parker, who... Uh, who has a history of implementing uh, progressive-type reform in the schools and such, so it's going to be interesting to follow what this guy does. Uh, but I do have high hopes for him. Uh, police sources compare him to Charles Ramsey, a uh, former uh, commissioner here. But, Anthony, you live uh, right off of Spring Garden area, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary, you came down, uh, now living here from Connecticut originally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, her thoughts living here in Philadelphia, your thoughts, you're going to stay here? Do you think things are going to improve? I mean, she likes the city. She's used to the city, uh, but there's still concerns. I mean, there's been days, you know, random people have lunged at her and, you know, people screaming really? on the corner. Or, yeah, I mean, you know how some of these homeless people are. And I, I don't even think they're necessarily trying to do it in some weird, malicious way. I just think a lot of them are drugged out. And it's... In my opinion, and we we saw this story about blight in the Enquirer as well. I think that's it, it. It's crazy that these homeless people just are staying on the streets, not being dealt with. I think with all the money we have for social programs in this city and all the buildings that are just completely empty, why are we doing nothing? Just we are doing acting like it's not even a problem. Yeah, and, and it's clearly a problem. And they're going to sit here and tell us that crime's going down after it was at pandemic high levels that have never been seen when we had to show our p- work pass to get past the U.S. Marshals to even be on Market Street. But, oh, crime's down. It's down. 
but it's, this is, should still be a concern. We can't just sit here and like, oh, well, it's it's just this fantasy land after COVID. We're way better now. So it, the carjackings are the highest they've ever been. So it's Mary can't walk around the city at night alone without feeling unsafe. So I'm guessing you do not agree with that Victor Fiorillo column no. in the Philly Mag. Not but, at all. Uh, it's the, the media's fault that Philadelphia has painted the picture that it's, it's painted. In. Yeah. Uh, how about you have your wife, significant other, daughter, whoever you think, throw them in the middle of Center City at 10 o'clock at night on, uh, you know, whatever. Pick your night. Go for it. Let me see how you feel about it. I do want to get into that phrase, blight busting, uh, at some point next hour, and uh, we'll stay local to Philadelphia. But before then, we do have a great guest, uh, Dr. Andy Draper, coming on to talk about the uh, unsuccess, the failure that is the Marvels, and, and whether it's purely a political thing or if the film's actually pretty bad or, or why it's not doing as well. And he'll give us some suggestions as to what to watch. Uh, but you're listening to The Other Side with Dan and Dorenzo, filling in for Dawn Senslin on 12th and WPHT, 855-839-1210 if you'd like to get in. Dan Borowski, Anthony Dorenzo, The Other Side, sitting in for Dawn Senslin today. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in Philadelphia, 855-839-1210 to join us. And uh, we were expecting a doctor. A doctor of film? Is that what this guy is? <laughs> yes, the uh, film doctor. The film doctor. Dr. Andy Draper was supposed to join us, but it's Black Friday. He's probably buying a nice new home theater system. Them. So uh, we'll hope to hear from him. Jim, I, I know you hear us. Uh, if this guy calls in, please just scream the call. Put him up there. We'll see him, and we'll get rolling on that interview. Uh, but before the break, uh, Anthony and I, we were getting kind of fired up because uh, if you're unaware, I moved out of Philadelphia recently because uh, trying to start a family and uh, living up near Kensington and all, uh, I, I, I want to have my kids be able to enjoy the outdoors and such, and I, I, I don't know. You know, it's tough. It's tough right now in Philadelphia. I, I do see brightness on the horizon, but Anthony, there's a, a Philadelphia Inquirer article that kind of pissed both of us off. It's titled, headline, A law meant to bust blight puts black and Asian American property owners at war- risk, report warns. And, and there's a new law that was revised in 2014 that allows nonprofit organizations to seize, quote, vacant homes. And what's happening is a lot of neighborhoods... Uh, especially less affluent neighborhoods. Uh, Black and Asian individuals are getting shoved out of their homes that are being deemed unlivable, vacant, and these nonprofits are taking them over, uh, fixing them up and flipping them uh, in an effort to remove blight from neighborhoods. And and this article focuses in, uh, it's a lot of virtue signaling, but it focuses in on the negative effects of blight busting. And, And Anthony... I, Sherelle Parker, a black individual herself who ran for mayor, ran on the importance of keeping a city clean. And, and when I see articles like this in the Philadelphia Inquirer, I, 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 I see, I don't know, it's like uh, speaking for someone, uh, Samantha Melamed, I don't know who she is, but it, a lot of black individuals, minority individuals in the city of Philadelphia, the, everybody wants a clean city, everybody wants a safe city, yep. and, and this is the way to get there. And it's upsetting to me that when policy is enacted to you know push to edge people towards keeping a beautiful city it gets spoken out about and condemned and called racist and such anthony your thoughts on this yeah and these are non-profits that are trying to get and and i was just alluding to this talking about the homeless people in the city and you'll see it you doesn't matter if you're in rittenhouse square you're gonna still see homeless people and possibly get into some weird encounter so finding ways if not for profits can take over these blight properties i think that's a good thing and that's for this to become a race thing, because like you just said, everyone wants safe schools, everyone wants safe communities. For this to turn into this giant, oh, it goes against this community or this community, I think at the end of the day, most of us don't want abandoned buildings and people in crisis on our block. 
Bottom line. I think that's safe to say, and it doesn't matter what color your skin is or what your background is. I, mm-hmm. I think people just want to be able to raise children in a safe, yes. beautiful environment and have people come into the city and not you know, shun it and, and be disgusted by it in a lot of parts. Yeah. Like, like you drive up to Port Richmond and you're driving through tent cities and you drive over to Kensington and there are people injecting themselves in the neck. Uh, it's, it's traumatizing. I mean, that's why you left. That's why that's why you live in New Jersey now, Dan. But we'll get into it after we talk with the uh, doctor of film here. But uh, I, I do think the city is on it up and up. And I do think property values are about to rise because of Sherelle Parker. Um, but the Dr. Draper, Dr. Andy Draper uh, from SMU, uh, he's a musician. He plays, uh, I believe, uh, the tuba. Uh, but, Anthony, you booked this guy because he is absolutely fantastic when it comes to analyzing film and we're seeing a situation play out with the marvel cinematic universe yeah marvel has obviously dominated hollywood for what at least a decade and i know a lot of people complain about that martin scorsese was uh kind of celebrating this uh with the flower moon release compared to the marvel's release uh but it's it's we're happy to have uh dr andy draper here and i'm excited to hear your perspective so thanks for joining us first of all a big fan of your podcast um Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving as well. I did. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so first, I just want to start off here. So they made box office history in all the wrong ways. 33rd installment of the franchise only brought in $47 million domestically over that opening weekend. Um, when, on the other hand, we saw records for the Barbenheimer weekend. Uh, what do you think this says about film, cinema, Hollywood moving forward? Are people over the comic book, oversaturation? Do they want more independent stories what do you think this says about hollywood i think it's less of superhero fatigue and more of mediocrity fatigue a lot of these superhero properties are they're cranking them out so fast that the quality has really dipped and they're really like they're not they're not bad but they're not great like they used to be they used to kind of be from good to great now they're just kind of mediocre and bad and so people are just sick of kind of lame movies more than anything do you think Disney Plus making all these crossover series and kind of making Marvel uh, kind of a cost to entry because you need to be caught up on everything? Do you think that Disney Plus and streaming focus has hurt the film and movie product that we see? Definitely, definitely, because it's watered down the brand. Uh, you've taken some of your major movie heroes and you put them on TV and that's kind of, again, just brought them, it's watered it down. And then you've introduced new heroes like two of of the heroes in the Marvels film were introduced via TV. A lot of people didn't see that. A lot of people feel like if they haven't seen the shows that they're not going to know what's going on in the movie. And they're, they're kind of right. Yeah. No, and that's something I even like Marvel and I've tried to keep up with it as much as possible. But if I have to watch She-Hulk on top of this new daredevil thing on, on top of this, uh, you know, Disney short, it's impossible to follow. And when you're this, I mean, Dan, I know Dan's watched uh, Marvels throughout his life, but I don't think, when was the last time you watched a Marvel movie? I, I tried getting into WandaVision uh, on Disney Plus. Uh, I, I couldn't do it. I, the Avengers Endgame, I watched some of it. I, but, but what happened to me, and I think it's happening to a lot of people, is it's not only uh, the superhero fatigue, because I'm so behind, I just, I can't catch up, but I think Dr. Draper is 100% correct. It's, it's mediocrity. It's what we're seeing in theaters right now. And when you have Universal Pictures, for example, putting out something like Oppenheimer, Barbie, which are, are based on, you know, names. People know Robert Oppenheimer. People know the Barbie name. Uh, but they're original stories versus the Marvels. And, and it all kind of draws from the same. And Star Wars, Disney seems to be putting out the same franchises over and over. 
I, I think it kind of loses its luster, and, and you're running out of stories to tell, and I think Disney's going to suffer. And, and I, I, Dr. Andy, I, I got to ask, how do you think Disney, do you think Disney recognizes this? Do they pivot out of it soon, or, or where, where, where do they go moving forward? Do they continue down this Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, wrong direction? So they've definitely realized that they made a mistake and they're pivoting. They're they're still going to do TV shows, but they're not going to insist on tying them into film. They're going to kind of do like the Netflix Marvel shows did in the 20-teens where they had shows that were just completely separate and stood on their own. Uh, and they're going to try to get back to more of their core heroes, like uh, there will be a new Captain America, Deadpool comes out next year, uh, some of their bigger names, and really focus on their theatrical releases and less on TV tie-ins. Now, you just mentioned Deadpool, and I think that's a really good one to, to bring this to because some say Hollywood in general and Marvel specifically and Disney, they've gotten too woke and it's too political and they want to, like, appease a group of people. Deadpool is controversial, and uh, with those first two movies, Ryan Reynolds really kind of pushed the envelope. Do you think Disney's going to try to change that? Or after a, a performance like this, will they kind of take that same approach the first two Deadpool films had? I think for for that property to be successful, you have to stay true to that character, which is that kind of loud, loud mouth obscene character. And, it, and it's, you know, one of the highest grossing rated R movies, which it's really hard to make money on, on the R rating. Uh, so I think it's going to be a mistake if you try to water down to PGC 13 level humor. And uh, it's got to kind of be over the top. Awesome. Well, I, I like to hear that because I love Deadpool and I just don't want it to change. So I hope this makes them realize they need to. Um, but what do you think with, with this in general, uh, with how Marvel is kind of falling? And I, I think remakes or or how Hollywood has been just operating for the past at least three to four years, uh, seeing the success of Universal, seeing the success of A24 as a studio with these independent, uh, more unique ideas in film is that the future will will that somehow start to prevail again or will these studios keep trying to double down on these franchises that have you know nostalgic ties to people whether it's our age or older well chris nolan this week said that you know hollywood really needs a balance and it needs to have familiar franchises and properties people know and then it needs to also be brave to explore new ideas new directors uh, and things, original ideas, things like that. So you need a balance of both to really ha have a healthy film ecosystem. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's something I've really come to love, A24, even though some of their movies are so weird and obscure. I think I always don't know what to expect. And that's something I don't even know half of the time. I don't know if you feel this way, Andrew, but when I watch film trailers, I almost feel like I just watched the entire movie. Why? I, I don't understand this trend of them trying to give everything away and show you how this actor is going to portray adversity. And I, I'm, I'm just worried that maybe that's a little too niche, but a 24, I saw they even have a subscription service now where if you're a fan of them, you can get things like uh, table read videos and uh, exclusive posters that weren't released. And so it seems like there is a niche and a want for filmmaking to get back to that unique and independent level. Yeah, ab absolutely. There's people that love new and original films and things that are wacky and, and just things you've never even thought of before. I, I know I get really excited when I see the A24 uh, logo come up before a new trailer because it's, oh, what is this going to be about? And sometimes it misses. You know, sometimes you go for something big and bizarre and it doesn't land, but sometimes you do and you don't know until you try. 
Uh, not A24, I don't believe. I think it's TriStar, but this new Thanksgiving film. It's kind of right in the mood for Thanksgiving, and <laughs> I believe that you have a review out there on YouTube about that. Uh, have you seen it? What are your thoughts on it? It's getting pretty good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, yes, we, we did. Uh, we're fans of horror at, at the podcast, so uh, we really enjoyed it. Uh, this fi- film had a really long gestation where uh, it originally started as this fake trailer in 2007 in Tarantino's Grindhouse film. Um, that it was like a two-minute fake trailer of the premise, and then it eventually became an actual movie. Um, and it's fun. It's campy. It's a homage to the uh, the slasher films of the 80s and 90s. There's uh, a lot of humor, a lot of kind of gross-out, uh, you know, horror gore and things like that. It's it's a good time. It's pretty funny. Yeah, actually, one of my favorite comedians, Tim Dillon's in that. <laughs> I didn't even realize. I, I And is that, I, I almost think, a lot of these guys are trying to take a stab at these things because Hollywood is kind of open for new ideas and new new energy. And I think horror in general kind of needs that. The horror films of the last decade have been, they leave something to be desired. If uh, I don't know if you're on the same page with that. Well, uh, there's some great horror out there, and then there's like the jump scare stuff that always works. But horror yeah. is always so profitable. It's usually made on cheap 10 $15 million budgets, and you can go, you know, in the hundreds of millions. That's what Five Nights at Freddy's did recently, which is based on a kind of a kid's video game property, and now it's a $200 million success. Now, before I let you go, uh, I don't want to hold you up too much on this Black Friday. I get you all your gifts and latest movie equipment. But uh, what are you looking forward to? As we go into 2024 with film, cinema, even some of the streaming stuff, uh, what is your biggest uh, hope or, or hopeful project going into the new year? Um, probably Dune 2, uh, that was yeah. supposed to come out the, in the, uh, this month in, in November got pushed because uh, of the strikes. Uh, so really disappointed that that had to get moved, but it makes a lot of sense. And I'm super excited for that more than anything. I think I'm right there with you. Do you think Dune 1 was as, uh, well done as some of the critics? I, I, I heard it got mixed reviews in general from my friends, but, uh, from a, from a critic standpoint, you love the first one then I would assume. Oh, yeah. I, I love the, the first one. Denny Bellamy is really great at scope and scale. He can do the, the massive armies, the, the epic story. Um, he, he does a great job of just like cinematography and score. And it's uh, that's an incredible movie. All right. Well, I'm also really looking forward to Dune 2. We really appreciate you hopping on here, Andrew. And uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on your podcast and we hope to have you back soon. Thanks for having me on. Have a good holiday. Yeah, you too. The movie doctor, Dr. Andy Draper, got some good stuff there. You can uh, check him out off skill, or off script film review, the podcast. And as we said, he does great in-depth breakdowns of films. Uh, uh, really gets into the plot. Uh, gives a point-by-point break. Like, if you don't want to see a film, look up his stuff. Because a lot yeah. of times the synopsises are so in-depth that he, he really gets into it. But he's also really good at uh, not spoiling things as well. So go check it out, Dr. Andy Draper's off script film review. Uh, Anthony. Uh, a lot of fun there, and, and have you seen Thanksgiving, that film? It's, Not yet. I need to go see it. Yeah. It's one when I saw the trailers, I'm like, oh, this crap again. And, and anytime I see an A24 trailer, I'm like, what are they doing? Winnie the Pooh, a ruthless murder? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turns out good, and, and Thanksgiving was one of those that, again, I, I got tricked into thinking, what the hell are they doing? But now I'm like, oh, 86% are Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. Doc, movie doctor over here is telling me to watch it. I think I'm going to check this one out now. Yeah, and there's a po- <laughs> A24 is... Supposedly working on a horror Barney film as well. So, I I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Um, While we're still on this topic, uh, 
I got this new TV. Uh, it's a 75-inch big, big screen, and I set it up. I'm sweating bullets. I posted up on Twitter the first thing that Maisie made me watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. Dancing with the Stars uh, featuring Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift edition. Yeah. 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 I'd much rather watch something like Thanksgiving, but Maisie's not into the horror films <laughs> yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. right there with you. Maybe we just need to watch some stuff. <laughs> uh, all right, that's all uh, for now. Uh, the other side with Dan and Dorenzo. We're going to head to break. We'll be back with more after the break. 855-839 to get in. We're going to return to some political topics after uh, and return to Philadelphia. It's the other side. Dan and Dorenzo filling in for Dawn with some creepy music taking you out. Ain't never been there. They tell me it's nice. It's hard to cut off, Joe Walsh, man. It's, it's so good. <laughs> I like all time favorite song. Life's been good here. I, I, I very much enjoy it. But Dan Borowski here from the other side with Dan and Dorenzo and the Dom Giordano program. Uh, filling in for Dawn Sensland today. Anthony Dorenzo of the Other Side podcast and the Nick Kale, Kale and Company, the company of Kale and Company. <laughs> yes. And the Dawn Sensland show. Anthony, uh, I, did you see what happened in the NBA? These past couple of days, it's been trending <laughs> oh, all yeah. over the place, and I got to get your opinion. We're both big Sixers fans, and we're both big Philadelphia fans, which means we have a very strong heart, a very passionate heart when it comes to uh, <laughs> booing. And uh, why don't you set up what we're about to talk about here? Yeah, so uh, some of the San Antonio fans were unhappy with how the Spurs game was going, and Greg Popovich, known uh, political activist and known coach i mean he's he kind of i guess has the reputation of belichick in the nba if you don't know him yeah i kind of like the hard nose yeah but he's a little more political he's every time there's like a shooting he'll come out and and make a statement and you know that kind of thing but regardless he came out and took it upon himself there's a microphone on the little scorers table first off i never knew that they had like an open mic that was just sitting there at all times yeah they either have a headset like we'll have it a remote with a little microphone or they'll have just a regular so so the purpose is that they keep the mic open and open for those behind the scenes they keep it on they keep the mic turned on for what for like court noise that's for like if a ref well yeah if they want some ambiance for the broadcast or you know when the ref's walking up to announce a, a foul technical whatever it may be i never be. knew that they had it there okay. yeah yeah because they have a little machine there as well i think it's just an ipad it was very wrestling like give me the mic i'm gonna you know make my promo here in the <laughs> ring yeah, yeah. i'm gonna steal your mic well because they go over there to review the plays anyway but i guess as there were some foul shots going on popovich took it upon himself to uh address the crowd and this is how it sounds excuse me for a second pops Can on the mic stop all the boo and let these guys play it's not all class it's not who we are Knock off the boom. And people start to boom more. I'm telling the fans to lay off Kawhi Leonard. But that's not San Antonio. That's not San Antonio. Oh, oh my totally God. Antonio. Leave. Uh, dude, they're we're, passionate we're fans. fans over in San Antonio. But they, uh, to their credit, they booed again when he said don't boo. And I love that because don't tell me what to do. How many of those people in there are probably season ticket holders and have been at those Spurs games for God knows how long and dealing with Pop's BS ever since his good players left? That's what you're going to do? You deserve to be able to boo. This is, I mean, come on. If you're not happy, this is what people from outside of Philadelphia don't get. When we boo, we are saying, you don't care enough, step it up. But if you work hard, I mean, look at people like Bryce Harper. Look at Jalen Hurts. Both of them didn't win the championship last year. But you don't hear us boo them because we understand they're putting their all into it. And if you're being booed, you deserve to be booed. And you're a paying customer. We're fans. That's part of the game. You get booed. Sorry. And you sometimes get a standing ovation, too. Exactly. Exactly. It's just you can't take some criticism. 
My God, Pop. So Pop, uh, he, he explained, and he said, he said it, he, we're not those kinds of fans, and Kawhi Leonard was the one shooting free throws for the Clippers there. And uh, if you're unaware, Leonard was a longtime spur before he went off to the Raptors and kind of had a, 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 a big career there. So I think there's some kind of annoyance from the fans, too. Like, look at us with this crappy franchise now as this guy continues to shine, right? And you can't, I guess they're mad at Kawhi because he wanted to move on. I think he's always wanted to be a Clipper. Obviously, his stint in Toronto went well for him. Uh, I, I just don't know how you... It's It's been so long, and if you're going to boo, they're probably booing Pop and the front office. And I mean, I know they were booing Kawhi at that point, but they should be more mad at their own team. So the fact that Pop's coming out there, that anger is a little bit toward you too, man. So it's... it's I think, th- he, I think he sensed it too, and that's yeah, why he, he yeah. felt the need to go wrestling and take the mic. Here's him after the game. Anybody that knows anything about sports, you don't poke the bear. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he's, he's doubling down on the... Uh, oh, my God. You, you told the fans that it was. I just, I just told you why I did it. <laughs> what, can you clarify that though? What, um, I, I, I spoke English. I just told you. Yeah. Anybody that knows anything about sports How knows you don't poke guy? the bear. That's my answer. He, I would not want him as a neighbor. He's so no- yeah. He's that guy that like enforces <laughs> like, the parking like your neighbor. He's Clinton. <laughs> yes. My uh, and I say this like the soup Nazi, but we call her the parking Nazi around the house because yeah, it's like we already got scolded three times. We don't even know the lady's name. She's yeah, horrible. you get paid how much money a year, Pop? You can deal with some booze. Uh, Shut up, Donald in Levittown. Donald, how you doing, sir? Hey, I am doing good. Thank you for putting me on. I just wanted to give a quick message. To Greg Stalker, who I know is not there today, but he might be listening, that instead of these, you know, national shows starting at 10 every night, you know, whether it be Levin, Dana Lash, Coast to Coast, I love it all. I listen to your radio station a lot. I like this experiment. I think these podcast shows should be given a chance to be live because, you know, I'm really liking it. And just listening to the podcast is hard. You know, the live and local is great. So if we can do, you know, around the clock live and local, I like it. I like this show. That's all I wanted to say. Hey, Donald, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your Black Friday, your holiday weekend, to call in and express your opinion. Because it's going to help us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, once Greg, once Greg hears that. So, yeah, Donald, I mean, I'd love that. You know, me and Anthony, 10, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah, you can hear us uh, chatting about whatever we want to chat about. Uh, but, yeah, thanks, brother. And I see uh, you, don't, you don't call in often. So uh, it's nice to have you as a new caller. Thanks, Donald. Appreciate it. Hey, happy holidays, guys. Be safe. Happy holidays. You too, man. Uh, Dan and Dorenzo, The Other Side Live. Uh, as you heard, Donald just referenced, we have a podcast that we put out once a week, but uh, Greg Stocker, Dawn Stenslin were gracious enough. They were, they were so so kind to offer us the two hours to uh, fill in here on 1210 WPHT. If you want to get in yourself, uh, you, you can swing the topic in any direction these last half hour. I think Dom might be checking in. But 855-839-1210. Again, this is Dan Borowski with Anthony Dorenzo, The Other Side Live, filling in for Dawn Stenslin back after the break. You hear me every day with Dom. Giordano as a sidekick and Anthony as Dawn's sidekick and the company making up Kale and Company. Anthony, how you doing, sir? Oh, I couldn't be better. Couldn't be better to be here on a Black Friday with it's you, my nice. friend. It's I've been having a lot of fun today. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's been uh, some great reviews on Twitter as well. I thank you everyone for the very high compliments. Uh, real quick, I, I, I play this song because uh, it's, it's something I've revisited recently, and that being Ted Lasso on Apple+. Plus. I... I 
I always get made fun of for my Apple TV references, especially with all their China ties now. <laughs> but one thing, if they did one thing good, two things good, it's uh, it's Ted Lasso and the series Silo. And I got to implore people to check that one out. And, and you watched that one. You're a big fan as well, Yes. Right? Have you watched Severance? No. Check. Severance is amazing. Is it? It's amazing. And their second season's coming out pretty soon. Also so. on Apple? Yes, also that's on with, Apple. Uh, what's, what's his name? The main guy? Derek right? from Step Brothers. What's yes. his real name? But that's who it is. Um, it's the, it's the uh, brother. Derek. The evil brother. Yeah. Uh, Hold on. I'm going to look it up. No, right. I got it. I'm going to beat you to it. <laughs> uh, it is... No, I don't have it. I don't have Adam it. Scott. Yeah, American Scott. actor and comedian. Yes. What's the one with... Uh, um, Indiana Jones and it shrinking, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. also really that good. one I've heard is great too. Really I'm, good. Yeah. yeah. And, and what I what I bring up Ted Lasso for is Ted Lasso for the past twenty years of television. I don't think there's a show that did the feels better than yeah. Ted Lasso. Like you, you really feel it. You feel happy for the team, and it's just a damn good show. And I, I felt really happy for someone yesterday while watching them during their halftime show. That being Dolly Parton, uh, a joke. Uh, before we get into Dolly. Uh, on Twitter, I saw someone said, oh, look, it's uh, the Cowboys are bringing out one of their cheerleaders from the last time they won the Super Bowl to perform <laughs> at halftime. <laughs> like, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, no. We got a fire alarm going off here. Look at this. You see this? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ignore it. But she was on fire last night. <laughs> I got to say, I mean, she looked good, right? She did look good. She looked very good. Was she performing? You think she was performing live? I do. It yeah. sounded like she was. I mean, she's got a good voice, and it sounded comparably to what we saw with Jack Harlow in the early. Who game. is Jack Harlow? I don't even know who that guy is. He is a rapper from the Memphis area. He's actually a DJ Drama, and that kind of group found him out of Memphis, and and they're based in Philly. But they found him. He blew up. He had that uh, remix of the Fergie song "First Class" last year that came out. That was a summer hit. Oh and yeah, 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 that horrible song. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't great. Yeah. yeah. Can I yeah. even play his stuff on the radio? Yeah, I think you can. It's just, I mean, you got to look up clean. But yeah, for the most part. Class, let's see. Uh, clean. Uh, but, but Dolly, she she looked good. She was moving well. But she kept holding on to the railing. And I thought she was going to collapse at some point. I don't know if she was wearing heels that were too <laughs> yeah. high. I mean, that's got to be hard up there on that stage. And how old is she now? Uh, she's she's up there. But she looks I mean, fantastic. for her to be even doing it is impressive. I got to well say, she, she looked better last night at 77 years old than she looked uh, in the mid-2000s. Yeah. So yeah, I, I remember uh, who, who was it? Colt forty five, uh, Afro Man. <laughs> yeah, yes, references Dolly yes. Parton. Like she's been around for a long That's time, true. like in the realm of beautiful women, and I, I think she looks really good. She does. But I was sitting there thinking, thinking back to the early two thousands, the best halftime show of all time, Creed. Yes, where they had literal angels flying through the air <laughs> the best, as they dude, played their Christian the rock at a Cowboys halftime. show. Oh my god, it's so good! I still watch it. That's the only good thing the Cowboys have brought us in this world yeah. is that Creed performance. Like I'm not even a Creed fan, but I, I say that that's among the best best of all time. It's up. It's the best Thanksgiving performance. Some Scott Stapp. It the... rivals thanks. It rivals. Excuse me. It rivals Super Bowl halftime. If shows. you have absolutely no idea what we're talking about, I implore you to look up on YouTube the Creed early 2000s yep. halftime performance. It is absolutely incredible. Uh, but yesterday also, Maisie and I had the discussion: uh, Is it time? that we uh, go out, find our Christmas tree, and get things set up. Oh, you get the real tree? Uh, no, actually. Oh, okay. All right, actually, you know, let me let me get your opinion on this. I am allergic to balsam. Oh, okay. So, you know, balsam candles, anything. A- anything, anytime I smell balsam. <laughs> like, like, Maisie's mom has a has a pine stuffed or something stuffed pillow that she has to hide when I come <laughs> town. So, so not only Maisie's parents but her sister, everybody in her family had to get rid of their 
awesome annual tradition. Like, like they're very outdoorsy type. They love going yeah, camping. Yeah. They love going to the woods. So, like, it was a thing that they would make a weekend out of going to find a great tree, a, a real tree, bringing it back home, setting it up. Then I come into the picture, and everyone has to give it. Everyone's buying artificial trees, and I feel like a total <laughs> a-hole. Um, if you were in my shoes, and you had, like, a legit allergy... And when we first started dating, I, I made a, not a fuss out of it, but I was like, oh, I have a headache, you know? Yeah, so her parents, yeah. being very caring people, uh, they did it on their own. I wasn't like, yeah, yeah, yeah you got to get artificial trees <laughs> for me. But it still kind of feels like a, I feel like a D-head. It, it, what, what would you do in this situation? I don't think you, I mean, it bothers you. You're allergic to it. So I don't think, even if you might feel like, oh, they have to do this for me, yeah, it is but something hate, that like, affects you. Like when people come to dinner, you're like, oh, do you have a peanut allergy? I hate those people. And I'm that person <laughs> at Christmas. But you, they, they can't help it, though. I get it. I get what you're saying. You know, I want that peanut butter on the table, too. But it's not your fault. I have a fake tree. I have a smaller tree just because we're in an apartment. But I put it up. How big is your tree? It's not that big. It's like three, four feet around. It's small. It's like on my uh, dinner table. It's not kinda. the size that matters, though. It's the yeah, ocean, yeah. The ocean, yes, right? exactly. Yeah. There's, a, there's a place in the world for small trees. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> Are we going to have a fire here? I don't know. There might be. Is there? We'll check nervous. during the break if the building's burning down. We'll let you guys know. <laughs> so so for those that are uh, that can't see, obviously, because you're listening on radio, for the past, uh, what, four minutes now? Our whole five, segment. Uh, yeah. like, usually when we have these fire drills, the thing turns on, turns off. It's getting kind of warm in here, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're playing Creed, which is Christian rock, so maybe uh, we're being looked down upon right yeah, now and true. protected. It's true. Um, but uh, so thanks, uh, Thanksgiving, I think, is the official. You can start setting up for Christmas. B101 can switch mm-hmm. over. But B101, mm-hmm. our sister station, switched like last week to Christmas music. As a producer, are you still holding back on the shows? No. Or, no? I was playing Christmas music this morning, and I would have done it a week or two ago. I was a little worried, but I, I, I think like second, third week of November, it's fine. I don't want to hear it after January 1st. That's what annoys me. I'm fine with hearing it like second week of November and putting your tree up around then. I mean, I don't have a ton of room. I have a smaller place, so my tree was just out, and I was like, "You might as well put it up." And you know, we put on Elf, listen to some music. I'm, you know, I'm into that. I don't think it's the end of the world, but I think people want to keep that Halloween decor up a bit longer. So that's why this debate. What's happens. your uh, traditions? Like, what, are you watching films every night? Christmas movies? Uh, when we put up the tree, we do. Um, but I don't. It's not like I put on a Christmas movie every single night. I will say I love those like claymation. The, like a year without a Santa Claus and all those that those are like my favorites. Speaking of claymation, did you see the new release yesterday? A uh, very Philly Christmas. I didn't watch it yet, but you I didn't need watch to. It? Yeah, what I need. What to. kind of Eagles fan are you? I'm so, I just was so. You busy. had an entire day off yesterday to consume this seven minute video, <laughs> and you couldn't take the time to watch it. I sent it to you and everything. I just wanted to. I, I just I I had to detach a little bit. I didn't watch it, but so, I should have. If you haven't seen it, went viral yesterday. Uh, Jason Kelsey, uh, Myelotta, Lane Johnson starred as Clay. Uh, kind of look like Peanuts characters. Yeah, yeah, they did. I, they, it looks like they have the same artist. They look awesome. Uh, the artists actually appear at the end. It's it, it's really cool. It's a stop motion animation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and what it is is uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, Jason Kelsey, and Meryl Reese are up in a booth at a theater, and uh, Jason on stage is trying to prepare a great Christmas show. And it's kind of a showcase of all the songs on their album as uh, Jason, uh, as a cartoon character. I don't know if your kids watch uh, Three Bear Bears. Uh, you know, uh, We Bear Bears on uh, uh, Cartoon Network. Yeah, uh, I've heard of it. They, they essentially take the personality of those three bears uh, in this. And it's a really fun cartoon, fun to watch with the kids. I highly suggest a very special Philly Christmas on YouTube featuring the Kelsey, Myelotta, Lane Johnson. Uh, but I have a special... Uh, 
holiday treat for the listeners, a little crossover. After the break, uh, Dom Giordano is going to be joining us. Let's go, Dom time. Uh, so stay right here with us. You're listening to The Other Side with Dan and Dorenzo. Dan Borowski here, Anthony Dorenzo filling in for Don Senslin. Apparently that's the cost of doing a show here at 1210 WPHD. Uh, <laughs> filling in for Don Stenslin, Dan Borowski, Anthony Dorenzo of the other side as the uh, fire alarm just went off when we bumped back. So uh, thankfully, uh, I think that we're in the clear. We're not going to burn burn for you. Tonight. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. At least uh, uh, our, our studios will stay intact. But you went guys. in the hallway and it's not a fire thing. It's some kind They're of like, security uh, issue. Attention, attention. Do not use the elevator. Do not use the fire escape. And that's, yeah, that was essentially what I was saying. Hey, yeah. I hope we're okay. I think we're fine. Did we say something to anger people? Are they coming for us? <laughs> yeah. So the pitchforks and the uh, the torches coming the out? The listeners are sick of us already. Yeah. Uh, someone who's probably sick of me already, who's often sick of me, is Dom Giordano. Uh, the Dom, <laughs> Dom Show coming up next. And uh, I got to say, it's an absolute pleasure working with this guy. But Dom, I want to bring you in now and uh, say hello. How you doing, Dom? Happy Thanksgiving. Well, very good. It's an historic moment. I've done crossovers with all the greats in talk radio over the course of time. This I'm putting on my top <laughs> the number 100. one, my top 100 list. Top 100, the bottom yes. 100, bottom bottom five. Dog. This is an all-time low for your career timing on the the other side live. I, I'm sorry that I drew you into this, Dom. Well, I remember the first time I filled in on a major station. I was still teaching. I did the film Faces of Death. A girl called in and said she loved it with her mom. I went after the two of them, and the rest was history. <laughs> We did not hit Faces of Death. We didn't talk any monkey no, brains today. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's the holiday season, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Dom, I, I wanted to interview you for a second. I, 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 I look up to you. Like, I don't tell you that enough. Like, you're, you're a guy that is very look-upable, too. I, I think Anthony could say the same there, that you're quite the role model. And, and for you, were you a guy, when you first got into radio, that wanted to get into radio? How did it turn from education into radio for you? Oh, I didn't know about two-way talk radio. And the first time I heard it, I immediately started uh, getting sponsors to buy my way onto talk radio, small one, <laughs> and then a bigger one, meaning you had to pay more to be on. <laughs> and then from there, they started to pay me, which uh, seemed to be a ridiculous proposition. But I did the overnights for nine years, and that's uh, seven days a week for a lot of it. That's a tough schedule. And uh, one of the guys that you fill in for, Jimbo Hannon, uh, a great individual. Uh, but yep. you, you've been all over the place, man. You worked for Rush at one point. Uh, um, and, and was it Rush that you were called one time and they, they sent a, a chopper to fly you into New York? Wasn't there something there? <laughs> no, no, that's a great story. Yeah, that's an all-timer. It was O'Reilly. And his top guy called me and said, we don't know where Bill is. He appears to be sick. We don't have anybody else here. Can you get to New York? And then we started going back and forth about, get me a helicopter. I'm already in the car. I can't get there, but I'll drive to it. And then at the last minute, Michelle Mawking turns up somewhere, and I was stopped. This was the TV show, too. And, and, and another thing I want to get into is, like, like, not only with your radio career doing all this, but your personal, like, like your personal life. And we talked about it last week a little bit, but she's made another appearance, now appearing on the Eagles album, that being Patti LaBelle, mm -hmm. a, a Philadelphia yes. legend, and a friendship that you've struck up over the years, right? Yeah, um, she is so down to earth, as I told you, Dan, and I, we were on an NBC10 show together, so of course I got her to come out in studio she invited me over for dinner. I got back late from New York. They were closing the gate. She made the guy stop it. And then she sat there and cooked shrimp for two hours near Christmas time one year. 
<laughs> Patty Labelle shrimp. I <laughs> neglected. Was, to there like, was there Cajun seasoning on it? Or yeah, anything? I, I, I uh, was. There was a lot of wine, and she may have been singing when she was doing that. I didn't ask for a particular <laughs> song. I didn't want to be that aggressive. Uh, the reason why I lead you down this path, Dom, and, and talk about your past as an educator is we just launched this past Saturday, a fan, or this coming Saturday, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. we're launching this uh, Reading, Writing, Reason uh, weekend show. And, and coming up, you have a great guest, Tiffany Justice of Moms for Liberty, uh, Riley Gaines will be joining you, and Michael Harrison of Talkers Magazine. Uh, but, but the shift into kind of educational topics, uh, why why'd you choose to do that, Dom? Well, coming from the background, Dan, but I think the biggest issue, if Republicans stop being dumb, is still parental rights. <laughs> I, I mean, one of the stories I have today is another school district is now saying they'll tell parents, and I think you guys probably agree with this, that the parents ought to be told, unless there's some history of abuse or something, then there's laws, if their kid suddenly wants different pronouns and all. You don't have to go crazy, but you just tell the parent. What is so hard to say about that? Yeah, that's ridiculous. The fact because they want to take logic away, Dom. We're not allowed to have logical conversations. Just uh, you know, we own your kids. You pay your taxes, and uh, this is a safe space for them. So yeah, I would agree. If the school said we're, we'll we'll talk about it with the counselor and others about how we're going to do it with a particular parent, I'm all for that. It doesn't have to be you go nuts or anything, mm-hmm. but you got to tell the parents. And fundamentally, any party or any group doesn't see that. By the way, I wonder what Robert Kennedy Jr. would say. Oh, we didn't even touch My that God. today, Dom. But oh, I'm surprised. I was waiting for that. I didn't hear any. We, we talked about him a bit in the in the cut. Sheet. All right, so oh, so let, let's grill Anthony while yeah. we got him, Dom. Yeah. <laughs> a guy that is very friendly to RFK. Me too. I I was very supportive of RFK, yes. but then he came out in favor of reparations. It's one thing. Yeah, but it's one huge thing. I just I I don't like it either, but I just still like him. So. Well, he's he's getting traction, and Anthony, the other day, you may not have heard it. I, I know you're a fan. I get why. It's shaking it up. Most people don't want the two people running to run, except mm-hmm. Trump's base does. Really, Biden, no one wants him to run other than people that just want the Democrat to win, and I get it. So Kennedy would be unbelievable what would happen if he did win. I concede that. But he's he's kind of a gadfly. You know, he came to our environmental thing. In the back of a limo, just being driven in, big black limo. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Sure you know a what bike. I mean? And I look at him like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. So uh, he's, he's more of a gadfly than serious in the end, I think. But somebody serious that had his background, et cetera, they could win. Yeah, and I think he has the name recognition, but with the drama around the family and – a lot of the uh, narratives about his thoughts on vaccines and now especially if people on the right, like with reparations, that that upsets them. Um, but to your point about the Trump base, I talked to a few of uh, my friends and relatives over the weekend and they've, you know, historically been supportive of Trump. Most of them said, I wish we had another option. And they and they were people who loved Trump at one point. Well, they have an entire field of conservatives <laughs> to look through. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Right. They do. But uh if you have the real Trump, though, the people that really are wedded to Trump, the real P1s, they're not going to go with a Kennedy Jr. Now, he ought to bring his wife out more. I don't know if she's reluctant to I do love it. her. I love her, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm thinking really of Dolly Parton, beloved. Cheryl she's Burke not Dolly amazing. Parton, but she's somebody on a campaign trail who would be really good. Uh, Anthony, do you think that it, it, me and Dom often have this debate, argument on air as to whether or not RFK is going to siphon off more Trump or Biden voters? I say Trump. Really? Yeah, uh, I, I, I look I it up. That, that's Anthony. That's what I was referencing. Black voters and Kennedy. Look at the polling. 
Some of it's around vaccine. Gotcha. Yeah, I've heard that. That could actually yep. help him in the African-American community. Right. Well, but that takes away from Biden because uh, Biden, yeah, Biden has saying. no traction. They're voting for him just because he's a Democrat. I'm still telling you by a fairly narrow margin, a point, which is a lot, he'll take more from Biden than, Ken- than Trump. You, you might be right. I just think at the end of the day, if someone like Kennedy can at least force people to see that there are other options and, right. and put more pressure. We need an open market. We talk about open markets and capitalism. I think that's what it comes down to with this as well. Well, that's why it's good that he's in there. I'm in complete agreement. All right, guys. Uh, Dom Giordano program okay. next. Dom, what do you got coming up on your show today? Well, uh, we're going to talk about the Kenny countdown. Is it too soon? By my (laughs) count, it's 39 days till he's out of here. And we could have some fun with that as far as suggestions. Uh, He was on Channel 6 at the parade. It's remarkable. Karen Rogers was very effusive, etc. She had to deal with this guy. Oh, my goodness, about what he's happy about. Get him out of here. <laughs> yeah. Get him exactly. out. Get him yeah. out of here. Yeah. Well, uh, that's all we got for today's uh, Other Side with Dan and Dorenzo. A big, big thank you. One to Dom Giordano. Uh, first off, he's a big behind-the-scenes mentor of both Anthony and I. Uh, he takes calls from us, even personal issues. So, Dom, true, true thank you for everything you do. Well, thank, thank you. thank you, guys. It's wonderful to work with two guys like you. Oh. It's the best I've ever worked with. Oh, well, thank you, Dom. And a big thank you to Greg uh, for allowing us this yes. opportunity to fill in for Dawn. And a big thank you for Dawn for allowing us this opportunity as well. And, and to everyone else at the station, Rich Zioli doing the other side of Philly's broadcast that led us to this offer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But uh, until then, Dom Giordano's next. Anthony Dorenzo, any final words before we get out of here? Thank you all for listening and enjoy the weekend.